Well, hello there. Welcome to Talking with Tigglesworth. My name is RJL Tigglesworth, and I'm at your service. If you want to contact us, info at freedomwithintherapy.com, Twitter at vet underscore therapist, and Facebook at Freedom Within LLC. Mike and I are so glad you joined us today for this episode of Talking with Tigglesworth. You have a good day now, yo. And welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be interviewing Devin Craig from Craig Consulting Group, CCG.com. And Devin and I go way back about four, five, six, maybe seven years ago. And I want to introduce Mike and Devin at the same time. So, Mike, how about you come join us? Well, hello there. Thank you for joining us. This is another episode of the Talking with Tigglesworth podcast. And uh, as the Colonel said, thank you, Colonel. As the Colonel said, we got Devin Craig here and he is, uh, we went way back and we used to work together on some other partnerships um, in a former life of mine. And I just want to introduce Devin and, and we'll get started into this podcast and learn more about what, what he does and, and how he helps veterans. And, and he is a veteran himself. He was in the National Guard for two different states and he'll talk about that. Um, but first, we're going to start with, as always, Self-care, right? What have you been doing for self-care? So me, what I've been doing for self-care is I've been getting this baseball team together. And as, as I said before, the North Shore Braves, if you follow us on Facebook, at North Shore Braves or on Twitter, NSBraves20, um, you, can, you can contribute to us. You can follow us. You can uh, cheer us on. You can look at the pictures that we're doing. We just completed our Super Bowl pool, so we can't sell any more squares because it's all sold out. And uh, somebody's going to win some money on Super Bowl Sunday. We have uh, $250 a quarter, so that's going to be good. And so without further ado, I want to introduce Devin Craig. Devin, how you doing today, man? I am good. I am good. So, Devin, tell us a little bit about your, your life as a veteran, your life as a, as a service member, and tell us about um, what you're doing now for vets and, and for the community at large and where you're at, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. So I have been, um, running CCG now and I've been doing that for about five or so years. That's a, um, it's a consulting company that consults on workplace culture stuff, leadership stuff, teamwork stuff. So I do, you know, training and development and speaking and yeah. So those are all my, my passions. I've finally had a chance to really, you know, live those out in the world, which has been a ton of fun. And I'm still up in the, um, joint base Lewis McCord area where I was in the guard and um yeah so it's been just a ton of fun getting to stay and live and work in this community um and be all around all the time basically I'm, I'm typically centered in this general area working with companies and organizations I've done some speaking and and uh, organizational stuff with the military too actually um and nonprofits and all kinds of different organizations because Anywhere we have people, there's typically organizational issues, yeah. right? Or leadership issues or teamwork issues. So, um, yeah, that really spans all different kinds of industries. So, yeah, I came up here in the guard back in when I was coming up here to finish my bachelor's and it was in ROTC. And actually, kind of interesting, I was part of a um, early commissioning program down in New Mexico. So I was born and raised in California, went out to New Mexico uh, to this little military academy called New Mexico Military Institute. And I um, was actually going there because I was trying to get into West Point, um, but I just wasn't smart <laughs> enough to get into West Point. So I just finished Welcome the club. It me. me. <laughs> and... Um, it was, it was for the best because I went and met my wife here up in, at the um, University of Washington. But yeah, so I went to this two-year ROTC program that uh, commissioned you after two years. And so um, I was in the New Mexico Guard as a candidate or, excuse me, cadet. And did actually helped with some of the officer training school down there. Uh, that was a ton of fun. And then I uh, came up here to go to UW and that's where I finished off my bachelor's. And I was, uh, while I was in college up here studying political science and some other stuff, that's where I joined up and I was linked up and doing some, um, like aviation logistics mm -hmm. is kind of where my, the responsibilities were. 
And so I was part of the flight line there at uh, Fort Lewis and the National Guard, like aviation group up there. And just fell in love with Washington and then fell in love with a girl while I was going to UW and the rest is history. So I ended up staying up here. And then ever since then, you know, working for a bunch of different really reputable companies up here like Starbucks. And that's where Mike and I met um, because we were doing partnerships around veterans stuff. And so that was a ton of fun to basically try to help all those veterans coming out, uh, trying to get jobs and, and things like that. So I got to do a lot of mentorship that way too. Um, yeah, yeah, too and I was plugging all the programs you were doing. And so that was a lot of fun to kind of work with you and do a lot kind of stuff. And then, um, I was just telling Mike too, before we started talking, that's also where I got a little bit of my consulting bug in too, because I got to do some consulting work with, um, uh, Goodwill, uh, before, um, as my first kind of starting point, cause I was doing my master's at the time in organizational leadership. And so I've just always geeked out, honestly, like that's just talking about this, talking about organizational leadership, all that kind of stuff is actually like, I, I really enjoy doing it. So it's, that's one of those quasi self-care things, I guess, is just talking about your passions, right? Mm-hmm. Living out your passions. And so I'm getting a chance to do that now. And so that's pretty, pretty awesome. And, um, yeah. So now, like I said, I, I just help organizations do stuff. I've got a um, wife and two boys, um, four and two, and we live out here just south of Seattle, just outside of JBLM and in uh, Auburn, Washington. And the, I guess the other, some of the other things I'm doing for self-care this year too are um, my buddies are finally, we've got a really strong um, community group out here. And as a matter of fact, my in-laws live like the next block over, you know, so we have a ton of family time and a ton of friend time, really tight knit friend group who has like similar age kids and things like that. So we spend a lot of time with them. Um, so yeah, family's a big kind of uh, self-care thing for me too, a friend group. So my buddies have also been, you know, killing two birds with one stone. I get some buddy time um, and get some exercise time. And so we've started kind of this, um, running, running group thing, uh, just recently, this past like 30 days or something like that. So finally getting back out there and getting more consistent exercise, but also getting spent time with friends and just chat them up and stuff like that every day. So we're doing like five to six days wow. a week. So yeah, that's been a big new one for me that I'm excited about. Um, but yeah, that's probably the biggest one and, and my kind of story and tie-ins to, um, veterans, but I guess the tie into mental health of the reason that I was looking forward to talking to you is because one thing that comes up a lot in my, um, practice in my consulting practice is mental health. Because when you're talking about workplace stress and bad bosses and all that kind of, that's honestly why I started this. And I typically, when I'm doing something like this or doing some kind of speech or something like that, I, I tell one of my first workplace like yeah. stress stories basically, or actually of me being a bad boss and the stress that caused to me and someone and others. And, um, yeah, because that, that just has such work and workplace stress has such an effect on people's mental health. And I don't know if you and your practice talk a ton about that with people, but, but yeah, it's a big thing. It's a big stressor in people's lives. And the work I basically try to do is I don't, I don't specifically address it in a mental health way necessarily like you might, but, uh, or like my wife does, but what's funny is my wife and I actually compare notes all the time because she is also a marriage and family therapist or she's also in that space, you know, mental health capacity. And, yeah, there's just a lot of overlap in kind of the things we end up talking about or the issues we end up addressing or whatever, you know? So like, interestingly enough, I'm kind of sort of basic a little bit in the mental health space because I'm typically going in and addressing people's, you know, hangups or issues or, you know, forcing them to have constructive conflict and things like that. Um, so that's where I thought the tie in was and, and why I was excited to join you anyways and talk about kind of mental health in the workplace essentially. So yeah, that's in a nutshell. Sorry. No, Long yeah, thank you for that. And the, and the, uh, the, the partnership, I mean, you, you wasn't just doing, um, you, you wasn't just doing, you know, simple management stuff. I mean, you had, you, you were a district manager and you had, uh, five or six stores underneath you, right? Starbucks stores. 14. 14. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, that was my largest staff, um, I'd ever managed. It was like, um, like almost 300 employees, um, and 14 direct report, like managers who were managing these teams of like on average of like, you know, 20 each or something like that. So yeah, it was, it was a big, big team size. It was spread out all across the Southern part of Washington state, uh, basically all the stores in and around joint base Lewis McCord, essentially. So I was managing most of the South end of, of Washington, Western right. Washington, basically. So yeah, it was, it was, and that's kind of, of what brought me to goodwill before, before I started the veterans stuff. Um, the, I was still in my, my undergrad program and the 
workplace stress part was my very first job at Goodwill was called retention specialist. And what I would do is I would go into all the Goodwill stores and people that were about to be on disciplinary action or people that were having trouble getting to work or having family conflict. Uh, my, my job was to go in there and help mediate a plan. Um, so similar to what you do, um, I, I would go into the stores, I would mediate a plan with them. I would work with them on, on, on how to get to work, what, what's the barriers, what's getting in the way of us, the bosses. I would sit down with the bosses and the managers and say, Hey, this is the plan we need to create for them. And, um, and we had, we had a lot of latitude in that, in that area. And then when I left Goodwill to go pursue, um, mental health at, at, at the facility over there called Greater Lakes, um, about a year later, Goodwill called me back and said, Hey, we want to do these veterans grants and, uh, we want you to come. And so that's when I brought, uh, I brought therapy to Goodwill. So Goodwill didn't have therapy before I came back. And so I came back and I was licensed. And so then I started providing, uh, veterans with mental health because I knew the correlation between veterans getting a job and veterans having mental health issues. If you didn't address them both at the same time, it was going to be hard for it to, uh, for it to work. And so, yeah. Giving them some free mental health treatment and also helping them get those job skills that was imperative to to making sure that they uh they were successful. So with that, what what are some of the hurdles that you had? Uh and and, and you were you were National Guard, so you kind of always kept that civ- that civilian component, but what was some of the, the, the hurdles you had personally getting back into the workforce after say after basic training or after uh after going on your ATs and stuff like that? Did you have trouble with any transitions back into civilian life? You know, I was pretty lucky. I didn't because like I said, I, um, like you said, I was in the national guard. So I was almost always, you know, yeah, there was chunks of time where I was, you know, doing something for an extended period of time, but, um, not too long where I was out of the workforce for so long that like, I didn't still, still wasn't so connected yeah. to it in some way. Right. And so I never had that unfortunately, but uh, I, I can, I lived in the two worlds. So I know the differences yeah. between the two worlds. Uh, I think that's what helped me kind of like with what you're describing, some of your different experiences and things like that, and kind of bringing them all together to help in the roles you fulfilled, like same kind of thing I experienced, which was, you know, when we started working on that stuff to really bring great transitionary processes to, you know, the greater GBLM area. Um, I was able to kind of translate those two worlds, I guess, you know, for Cause most of the work was actually not. So you were kind of working on the veteran side. Honestly, I was working on the employer side more so because a lot of my peers and bosses and everybody else, they needed the fixing actually, because they didn't understand that language and lingo and they didn't understand it was just a different culture essentially. And that's the way we needed to treat it treat it was, Hey, we need to have respect for this different culture, even though these people might look like us and maybe they're from the same areas as us. They've been indoctrinated into an entirely different world. And so you have to respect that and you need to like, you know, be inquisitive about that and don't like take their, you know, sitting up straight and shaved head and being so proper and rigid as like a negative thing because at Starbucks, we were touchy feely and like, you know, bunch of cheerleaders and you know what I mean? Like we just, it was a different style. And so that world we needed, if we were going to find people who had similar values as us, we had to get past the service level stuff right? The lingo, the lingo they were using and all of that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, most of my work was trying to just fix Starbucks, honestly, to try and hiring managers to say, not Starbucks. Starbucks was like, was awesome. And they were all about wanting to figure this out. Right. And truly like be a leader in showing the respect to veterans in the veteran community and the military community as a whole that they deserved. And so Starbucks was all in on that. As a matter of fact, I mean, I got a chance to meet and hang out with the CEO uh, Howard Schultz, like several different times because he would come down and this was a big passion of his. And so, um, yeah, it was cool just to kind of see the entire company behind this, but at a localized level I needed to do, I remember even one time, um, that they recognized this was so important to get, um, you know, mid-level and senior level, like director level and, and VP level managers, hiring managers, like, uh, savvy on the military community and better understanding and respecting it that they, when they had a, a national conference, they had all the district level managers and above come out to Seattle, took over Pike place market and had this big cool dinner and the conference and stuff like that. One component of the conference 
Um, they actually intentionally designed this out after the military initiative with Starbucks started getting bigger. They wanted every single one of those leaders who was in or around or anywhere near a military base to come out to JBLM. And we built this whole immersive half day experience for them where we went down to the base and had to climb all over tanks and talking to soldiers and really just have some fun, but also build some um, additional like respect because most of them didn't have any military experience, most of them. And, uh, like the vast, vast majority. And so that was really, really valuable for them. But that was like this one continuing ongoing component that we realized needed to continue to be addressed. So there was me at a localized little lever. Then there was some other kind of corporate level resources who was kind of connected with me. And they started building these like, um, advisory boards as part of this, like corporate, like company wide advisory board. on like, okay, what kind of systems and structures can we put in place to make this better and easier? We, we designed out this like handbook for all military community leaderships, um, to like walk through like, okay, what's a strategy of how I can go about, you know, being more veteran friendly in my community specifically. So that was more of the work actually was like trying to help people who haven't had any experience with that world to better understand what that world's all about. So, um, that was a lot, a lot of work, you know, it was a lot, a lot of work because it's, it was basically, like I said, it was like trying to learn a new culture essentially, you know, and that was the case for veterans too. So the, the my, perspective was that we needed to do that work as an organization for us to be more like receptive and welcoming and understanding of what that difference of that world is and help them translate that, not put all the pressure on them to figure that out for themselves. So even though there's people like you are helping them to translate that, which was helpful for them, the companies, in my opinion, needed to do more of that work initially, just like they're trying to do right now with all other aspects of diversity and inclusion, right? That's like a huge hot button thing right now. We got to be kind of great diversity inclusion. And well, what I'm describing here was exactly that kind of same thing. Like make your company more, you know, adaptable and more open and more welcoming to anyone and everyone from different types of ways of thinking and of backgrounds and of, you know, skin colors and all those different types of diverse or military to me mm-hmm. is a type of diversity, um, not just the skin color level, because what one thing the military is outstanding at is bringing people in from all in my opinion, the military is one of the most diverse organizations in the world. Like they've, even though they've got their issues, you know, and how sometimes certain specific sectors of people are treated, you know, um, they do a good job of like, not just going skin deep in, in terms of like who they're recruiting and bringing in all that kind of stuff. Right. And figuring things out. So they've got their issues, but they've got a lot of different people. So anyone recruiting from the military wouldn't like, you know, necessarily see it as one category of like what we traditionally think of as diversity. Right. Even though just them being military in general is actually a, is a diverse thing because it's a small population of the, of the population is a large, you know, as a whole. So yeah, long answer to your question, but yeah, basically like I didn't have to experience that, but I knew the difference. And so I think that helped me, you know, and working with you to like try to figure out what that looks like in the, you know, greater yeah, GBA that's, that's one of the things that we had to do with the employers as well as, as we went into the employers and, and encouraged them on the benefits of hiring the veteran, but also not just hiring the veteran for the, for the tax credits, but hiring the veteran uh, for the skill set that they would bring in, in, in the diversity that they would bring in in their work ethic and, and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong. And I said this many times on the, on the podcast. I mean, you know, not every veteran has the hardest, the hardest work ethic and, and not every, I mean, just like everybody else, you know, there, there's shitbag veterans, there's shitbag soldiers, there's uh, people that are going to try to get over on everybody else. And, um, but the vast majority of, of, of people getting out of the military uh, have a, have a certain skill set. And so with that, how, how do you, how do you kind of teach that now when you go into these workplaces that are probably predominantly non-military, maybe they have a few sprinkled in here and there, but on the average, most, most, um, most businesses don't have a, a whole subsection of military unless they're like, you know, military focused. So what are the, what are the values that you are teaching your companies that you work with, or what are the, what are the strengths that you, how are you translating that to them today? Yeah. Great question. So this is a perfect tie on to everything we're talking about and like what I do basically. So I've designed this model I use is just kind of my, cause I need things like simplified uh, if yeah. I want to execute on them. And that's what I also basically try to do for other organizations. It's like keep culture simple, you know, don't, don't overcomplicate culture because you can overcomplicate something like a, 
like culture or leadership or teamwork, like those things can be overly complicated or just like lose value when you say those words, when you just say them, but you don't actually do anything about it. Right. And so, um, what I, what I did basically at Starbucks is the same thing. Basically I do now is help people and organizations first and foremost, get really not only clear about, so that my first piece of this model that I use, so there's three things I address with organizations to build what I call intentionally awesome cultures. And that first element of building an intentionally awesome culture is clarity. And, and the other two elements are teams and leaders. And so the clarity component to me is that most foundational piece that you have to build. All three are very important, but they have to have clarity first. And when I say clarity, I mean clarity of your values, clarity of your company's mission, clarity of your systems that reinforce your mission and your values, right? Every company has mission values, but what I've noticed, and then, so I, I point out the uh, systems and uh, reinforcement component of it because almost every company has mission values, but the vast majority of them don't actually use them in their decision-making or guiding their behaviors or don't really actually yeah, live up to them the way they do yeah. Yeah. It's just like a poster on the wall. Right. And, um, the one thing the military does do an awesome job is does reinforce those things into people, right? There's like this very thorough indoctrination period. When you first come in, they break you down and they tell you like, this is what we're all about. And you're going to be part of our tribe, you know? And so we could take a, you know, every other organization could take a page out of the playbook and say, you know, maybe not, bring people in and shave their heads and make them, you know, do grueling workouts when they first come in the organization. Yeah. Right. Maybe not that, but to have something that is intense, you know, where you are intensively helping people understand, like, this is what we're all about in this organization, right? We value this, this, and this, you know, and we use those things in our decision-making. And by the way, that's why we hired you because so like, for example, with Starbucks, when I was, um, working with them, like that's what I kind of had to do. Starbucks was already did a pretty good job of talking regularly about what, like, especially its mission. Everyone was exceedingly clear on the mission of Starbucks, but we got a little hazier on the values. Like sometimes we, people forget, we didn't talk about those as much. Um, you know, everyone was kind of generally aware, but they weren't like nearly as predominant as the mission was. And so in other words, like that's where I think where we had translation gaps between when we were talking to a veteran or anybody else in what we were talking about, because we would use surface level, you know, skin deep type, um, questions and, um, you know, relatability to make hiring decisions, or we would like specifically focus on competence alone, right? Have you done things specifically like what we need you to do? And I thought that was short sighted because, if we had a veteran and by the way, like to your comment about, you know, shipback veterans or whatever, like, yeah, but a shipback veteran typically is still a step above in my opinion, in terms of their work ethic and whatever, even of a shipback in a private organization, right? Because in a private company, they just don't do as intensive of training and recruitment and like intensive of counseling and all that kind of stuff. They just, they just don't. So like there is a, there's a difference in level, I would say, even of a, the worst of the military is still probably better than the worst of the private sectors, like worst, um, because of that intensive, like, you know, holistic approach that the military takes to making sure its people are doing a good job. Right. And people do kind of get weeded out eventually more strongly and thoroughly than in the private working world, right. Corporate America. Anyways, so when you're really, really clear about what you believe and what your values are, then you can, when you talk to people, that's what you're focused on, right? You're focused on values and mission when it's internalized in every single person in the organization, that's what you're looking for. And so that goes beyond skin level. That goes beyond, um, you know, just experiences or whatever. Right. And typically I've, I've always been frustrated with interview processes because they're so surface level and they don't go deep enough to really know what someone's all about. And most people get fired from jobs or don't love jobs or do a crappy job at jobs because not because of an issue of competence typically, right? The vast majority typically are, they're not a fit, right? Meaning like, um, I was just talking to this other guy, really, really cool guy, Jamie J doing a podcast just like this with him recently. He's down in the Mm -hmm. South there too with you. And, um, he runs a company that does, um, virtual, uh, assistance. Right. For, yeah, for, get those owners. for, for yeah. they want, they want to be a virtual assistant for therapists constantly. Oh, I don't know if he's calling me enough, but some people call me. 
<laughs> maybe it's a team, but, um, yeah, we were talking about this a little bit. And what was so funny is like, he was talking about, he was working for a staffing agency once and he got fired from there because he wasn't a fit and he wasn't yeah. clear why basically. And to me, when he shared that story, I'm like, yeah, that is a clear example of a failure on that organization's part. Cause that should have been exceedingly clear to you. Right. They should have been coaching you up and saying like, Hey, we value, this thing, whatever it is, you know, hard work. And so we expect to see you here, you know, Johnny on the spot first thing in the morning and just busting your hump all day before you go or whatever. And maybe, and I, he seems like a hardworking guy. So I doubt that was it. But if the, if he wasn't clear, like, Oh yeah, you know, I really don't have that particular value and I could see the writing on the wall. I mean, first of all, that's an assessment issue. They should have identified that in the interview process. So their interview process probably wasn't very thorough enough. Right. And then second of all, the fact that he wasn't clear on why he wasn't a fit, just people that this is what organizations use as the excuse, right. To be unclear and unkind to people. Um, but that clear, like a lack of clarity is unkindness for everybody. Right. Um, so basically what that manager was doing and fired him was like making a judgment call based on his own personal like beliefs and what he thought was working. and was not. Cause Jamie wasn't clear on that. So he got fired from that. And then years later, now he's running his own kind of like essentially staffing agency for virtual assistance. Right. So he's like, well, screw him. I wasn't about the work. It wasn't about what I was enjoying doing. It wasn't about my experience. Cause now I'm doing it very successfully for myself, but it, always that manager had some kind of personal something because he didn't explain to me why it wasn't a fit, you know? So that's the very first thing that I do is I focus on that clarity piece because when we do that at Starbucks, when I do that with other organizations and you're focused on values, that's when you're able to break through some of those barriers. Like when we were hiring veterans and some of my peers and colleagues at Starbucks were like, yeah, but they're so, you know, stiff and yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. And we're not used to that. We're not that kind of culture. I'm like, yeah, but get past that. That's just, that's just indoctrinated cultural stuff. Why don't you get past that? Gotcha. with a value. And their values, because people in the, in the military, like they understand the military's values and they abide by those values. However, they also have some personal values too, that might be slightly different or, you know, in addition to those military values that they learned. And so why don't we try to look for those types of things? And when we did that, and when I did that, um, then we were able to find some really fantastic people who initially were that way. But once we started indoctrinate them in a Starbucks culture, they were like natural fits because we were so much about, and they were like, for example, one, one that I hired actually came in with such a natural organic fit. And you might even remember Amy. Amy? Yeah, she ran our first ever in the company, um, veteran community. Yeah, story, I was talking about that somebody the other day, that community story. And, and, and that was a good thing for a while until, you know, my, 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 uh, my impression of Starbucks kind of, kind of went down a little bit as, as, as I, as I left the, the goodwill, but, um, because when they pulled that funding, they really, it really screwed things up for us. But, um, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to get into that, but yeah, basically like the moral of the story there was like, once we, um, decided that we were going to look beyond those surface level things, you know, those little behavioral quirks or whatever, yes or yes, ma'am, whatever. Um, and started actually looking at what are the person value and, and look at not only their experiences, but what were the part of their experiences they really loved and didn't love. Right. Because all of us have had jobs we have loved and not loved. And, I don't want to go just because I've done a job I haven't loved doesn't mean I want to go do that job again. And most employers, they look purely at like, what experience have you done? And I'm going to exactly fit you into that exact same thing. Right. You've, you've been cooking burgers your whole life. Therefore you need your, yeah. burger, your burger cook period. Well, no, no, not necessarily. Like what's that person's skills? What's that person's values? And that's also, if you feel like your company has strong training systems, then why would you think you would need to hire someone who has umpteen years of experience in that job and only hire for that. You know what I mean? Like if you just you scroll around job postings, you see people need, you need 15 years of experience to be an entry level yeah. position. You know, it's like, why? Like, do you guys suck that bad at training? Like, do you not know how to help people get be successful or what is it? You know? So if your company has halfway decent training of any kind, then you should feel like you don't have to focus so much on the competency level and instead focus on the values level. And was this person going to be a good fit? Are we going to love working with them? Are they going to, you know, enhance our culture because they come in and have different 
experiences and different value or not values, but different ways of seeing things. Um, and if we bring them in, then, you know, does that going to make us better? In Amy's case, it definitely made us better because she was, you know, different in the sense that she was, you know, long-term veteran. Um, yes, or yes, ma'am, you know, and she was doing something totally different. She was doing like air traffic control type stuff and whatever, nothing related to making coffee, you know? And I mean, I'm sure she helped make coffee sometimes, but I mean, it wasn't a thing. Instead, we looked through that. We looked at, she's a leader and she has values that are similar to Starbucks and she's going to come in and she loves people. She's always interacting with people. She loves taking care of teams. She loves taking care of customers. Like that's a natural fit. And guess what? Now she's doing my old job, you know, and she's probably even promoted beyond me. If I were to stay there, she's probably my boss because she was just so good at that, you know, and she was so hardworking and she just, everyone loved her. Uh, because she took care of people, you know, she took care of her business. She put in the effort she needed and massively awesome hire. But if we just looked at only the surface level stuff, you know, she, we could have looked at her as like this intimidating veteran because she did exactly whatever your veteran did. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. You know, all that stuff. And um, if we didn't look beyond that, look at, was there a values alignment um, of that whole taking care of people and interacting with people and enjoying people's company. That's kind of a common theme there at Starbucks when you walk in, right? If she didn't have all that stuff, uh, but you had to dig to find it, you know, and you typically do with people come from different backgrounds. You got to get beyond the, you know, someone has a thick accent or someone has, you know, been and done something that we're, not even just totally foreign to us, you know, either in their life experiences or work experiences, we got to get beyond that stuff and look at the values piece. So that cultural piece is the most important. That clarity piece of culture is, is so important. When organizations are super, super clear about that stuff, they can move beyond surface level things and really try to find people who are truly, truly diverse, but aligned in their mission and values. So how would you, what would you say to a veteran that, that came up to you and, um, they, they wanted to get into a, into an environment that they don't have the experience of, but they have some transferable skills. That's what kind of we're talking about transferable skills here and, and what transfers to, to different industries. What would you say to them about how they can adapt to that organization's culture? Because it's gotta be a give and take. It can't just be the organization has to all the way adapt to the veteran. The veteran has to also adapt to the organizational culture. So what tips would you give a veteran that maybe is coming out of the military now, or maybe he's been out for five or 10 years and, and still is not on that, on that train of, uh, of success yet. They maybe, maybe they got a couple of injuries. Maybe they got, you know, a disability rating and, and, uh, how would you, how would you encourage them to, to adapt to a company's culture? Well, when you're coming out of the military, I think what most veterans, and I don't know if this resonates with you, but you're basically kind of like re getting in touch with yourself. You know what I mean? You're reinventing yourself here a little bit. And cause when you're in the military, like I said, you're, you're so indoctrinated into that culture that, um, and it is a certain and specific type of culture, right? It's we above me. Right. And going into a, into the corporate world, it's yeah. kind of maybe me a little bit, you know? And so that is one of the biggest differences and you lose that, that tribe and you lose that, um, that was something I remember hearing a lot, a lot of veterans talk a ton about like, man, I miss that camaraderie and those, that tight knit community and that those intensive experiences that you go through with other people, you know, um, miss all of that stuff. And so, um, but you don't necessarily have to think you lose that, but you now are much more independent, you know, military, the other thing the military is good at, which is a good and bad thing kind of, uh, especially if you're ever going to transition out of the military is it's very clear and specific about the steps you take to do certain jobs, right? You want to do this job, you need to go do this training and you can go to that job. Um, or the, you know, specific progression steps you need for promotion or whatever. It's very clear about all that stuff. You go to the corporate world, it's yep. way less clear. And every organization has their own different version of it. You know, like some have no version of it. It's just like, you just got to be friends with the boss and he'll promote you. And others, like they have this highly, highly structured way of, of doing things in order for you to progress and promote. You got to have this skill. You got to have that training. I've gone to this leadership stuff, whatever. Right. So every organization has its own thing. But what I would say is like, or, uh, like veterans and any individual has to do the same thing that I'm describing that a uh, company has to do. You have to get really, really clear about, okay, now that I get this new start opportunity that can seem initially very intimidating, but look at it as a very exciting opportunity, like going into yeah. a new year, right? It's an exciting opportunity to say, what do I want this to look like? And like, I want to make sure I kind of check up with myself here and, and see how I've evolved and, you know, make sure I'm very, very clear on my mission and values personally as well. 
And so if you first start to shore up first mission and values, kind of your why I love all of uh, Simon Sinek's work. If you've listened to him or read any of his books or anything, but I love his stuff. And I reference it all the time when I'm talking about clarity is like, get really internally clear on your why, you know, because in the military, that's not so much of a thing, you know, because it's a collective why. We're all here to serve and defend the constitution of the United States and the people within it. Right. And so that's exceedingly clear to everybody. Right. And then each branch has its own kind of purpose and then also its own kind of values and everyone gets indoctrinated in each of those things. But when you're coming out. And so in other words, basically people's individual, like why and mission and values are kind of subjugated or sub, you know, take a backseat to those things. And it shouldn't always have to be that way. But like the nice thing about coming into corporate America is like yours can be equally just as important as the organization's like personal mission can be just as important as the, as the company's mission. So first of all, when you come out and say like, yeah, I have to kind of do that internal reflection of what are the things I loved doing most, not just jobs, but I mean, what are those things that gave me the most fulfillment Mm -hmm. while I was in the military? Right. And it might not have been jobs. It might have been specific functions or it might've been working with people. It might've been coaching up, you know, uh, brand new, um, recruits, you know, it might've been, um, just taking care of maintaining, you know, bunch of really expensive equipment. And I feel like you have that sense of responsibility in your hands of making sure that the tools that other people use are in good condition, you know, whatever that thing was like, get clear about what is it, those things that I really, really truly enjoyed, um, and kind of connect that back in. So you've got to find your why. And if you find your why through doing some personal reflection and personal work and talking to guys like you, um, to kind of like, you know, work through things and then just get more clarity, about your own kind of personal situation and what you want this next phase of life to look like, then that's going to be first most important step. Do not just start running out there. Don't just build a resume, run out there and start frigging throwing it into Indeed. Do not do that. Okay. Start by first being exceedingly clear about who you are, what you're all about, what you value, the experiences you enjoyed most and what experiences are going to translate most, you know, to. So like to your point, the skills piece, but in my opinion, that comes secondary to the like, who am I? What am I all about? What I want to be, what I want this next chapter of life to look like. Right. So the bigger stuff start really big, you know, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? All those big reflection questions. Cause, because essentially, I don't know if you agree with this, but I mean, basically most vets kind of like are forced to go through that one way or another when they're transitioning, like, because they essentially like are having a restart over. It's all basically the whole new life. That's, that's, that's the, that's how I got my tagline for my business. Redefine yourself. It, Exactly. You know, you have exactly. to find um, who who I am now, and um, and and it changes. And so you you when you get out. Um, when I first got out, I didn't really, I didn't think I was going to be a business owner. I, um, failure is actually what leads a lot of people to, to do something that they like. And 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 so, and I don't know if you know the story. I kind of told it once before. I think a little bit on the podcast, but. Um, the reason that I started this business is because when, when, when I went up for promotion at Goodwill, um, I was, I was going up for the assistant director right underneath Richard. And, um, I interviewed with mm-hmm. Terry and, you know, I've been working with Terry and him for years and, and I was running those programs and, and I had what, six, eight grants underneath me. And she decided that she wanted an outsider. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I knew at that moment that my, my, my job stopped there. So I was going to be the, 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 the director of veteran services and that was it. And so there was no more growth for me and, and I didn't like that. And so that's when I kind of started putting focus on, um, opening up this private practice and, and going more into that area because originally I thought, okay, maybe I could do this for 20 years and, and, and maybe I could be the CEO one day of Goodwill. And, uh, when she kind of mm-hmm. said, you know what, we want to go a different direction. And I don't think it was anything personal. I just think that she, she thought that, um, someone that was already inside of the world, she didn't want him in that position. So, um, that's kind of how I got this started. And so that, so I redefined myself at that moment. So when, when they told me, Hey, we, we're going to, we love what you do. We want you to stay here a long time, but we don't want you in that position. Um, it kind of told me that, you know, I needed to redefine myself. And so that's kind of how the tagline came. And, um, and, and so we, I started the business and, and, and it's taken off and it allowed me the opportunity to come back to Louisiana as well. Cause it's transferable. And I still see people in Washington too. So it, it makes it easier to do that. Um, what are you, 
what do you say to people that, that they bring you in, right? The businesses bring you in, they want you to work with their employees. They want you to work with their managers. And then six months later they're they didn't do shit that you taught them. I'm sure that happens. (laughs) And I did a bad job. No. So, I mean, what I tell people is I'm not in the training business. I'm in the transformation business. So most of the programs or whatever that I sell involve a component of coaching. And so in other words, like, okay, we're going to build out the strategy together. We're going to build out your clear um, mission and values. We're going to reassess them. We're going to talk about some systems that will help you use the mission and values to like use them in your decision-making. And so we build out some systems to get structures together. And then we address leaders and leadership type issues and teams and teamwork type issues. And then what we do is we like have this cadence that we check in on it so that I don't let people get too far off the rails and it starts to become a little more organic and natural to the organization. So, um, because I, I've, I've just seen yeah. it from afar in, in organizations that brought in consultants where they just like, we pay them for advice and they leave. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. That'd be nice to charge those fees, but I, where I get the reward is actually seeing leaders get better. Where I actually see teams coming together more, where I see organizations actually getting their stuff together and actually building an intentional culture. So I swore to myself that, and I still do come in and just do like just keynote speeches and stuff like that too. Right. It's just some organizations or some whatever. So oftentimes though, that's just to try to get them to go deeper with me. Right. Honestly, I mean, I, I've, I've mostly, I love speaking and it's nice that it's a revenue stream. And also I typically do it to like for marketing too, essentially, but um, I have, I've sometimes only gone in and done that one piece and that organization hasn't hired me to do more with them. And that can be because they weren't ready. They didn't think they had the budget didn't think it was a pain point enough. And that's fine because I'd rather not start with an organization if they don't, if they're not truly ready to make some change. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't give me a bunch of money if you don't really want to actually have, be, have a more intentional culture. Don't waste your time and money. Don't waste my time. So, um, so I, so thankfully most organizations that we have committed with have made change and transformation when I leave eventually, maybe they don't, you know, continue the trajectory, but at least they've already kind of up leveled. So now I feel good about, okay, if I leave them there, I left them already a little bit better than I, than they were before, you know, so I could feel good about that. But, um, but yeah, no, there's sometimes where, yeah, I do leave. They, they don't maybe keep up the evolution maybe, you know, but, at, but the way I design things, I don't have it set up typically unless they truly only want a one hour talk or something. Um, I typically don't try to set up the actual programs themselves to be only a, you know, surface level conversation type thing. It's, it's typically like some ongoing coaching and say, Hey, we talked about this, yeah. why aren't you changing it? You know, so that can I can hold them accountable as a coach to actually doing what they said that when they that's wanted good, to you do. Can help them build out um, like a contract or a plan of of this is what we're going to work on, this is what we're going to do, and I'm going to check back in with you with in in two or three months to see um, how it's gone. Uh, that's a good thing. I mean, people come and go, so I'm sure you got to keep retraining people and, and and train new people with the with the same businesses and stuff like that. Uh, do you do any individual trains for for? for individual people, like say if a vet or say if, a, of, if someone that wanted to, um, sit with you and, and, and pick your brain or get, get advice. Uh, do you do anything like that? Or you just work with organizations period? I do that just for funsies. I mean, I don't do that for a business like revenue stream necessarily. So no, I don't do like individualized coaching. Um, I have not, I've done it in the context of being in an organization, you know? So for example, like, I go in the organization and there's one of the executive leaders is kind of struggling. And so they asked me like, can you spend some extra time with just that person? And I'll say, yeah, absolutely. Of course. You know, so I've done that in the context of a greater culture work, but um, like what you do or my wife does like, no, I haven't done that. Like where I just specifically try to reach out to people individually to do, you know, coaching sessions necessarily, maybe someday. But um, my passion has been in helping coach the organization a whole. And sometimes that includes individuals, but more often than not, it's like a leadership team or, you know, some subset teams. And then maybe the leaders of the team, some one-off coaching for them individually to kind of keep the progress going forward type thing. But, but no, when people reach out to me, which they still do to this day, I mean, even sometimes, um, far less than when I was working for Starbucks, but when I was working for Starbucks, like I eventually 
done so much mentorship that eventually like all of the transition office people just start, started just automatically referring people to me to like yeah. talk with them. And so I must've talked to like dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of veterans in that time and just giving advice and just helping out even above and beyond the programs yeah. you had set up. Like this was even in addition to. And so even after I left Starbucks, I was still getting phone calls and uh, outreaches and I still even get them to this day, even though I haven't worked for Starbucks for, I don't know, six years or something. And uh, yeah, yeah. Still. So I still kind of have that, like, I don't know, name associated with like people who, um, help veterans in the area to transition or whatever, you know? So, and so I'm always happy to do that just as a way to support people essentially, you know what I mean? Just to help people get a leg up. So I don't do it as a business. I just do it as a, as a, you gotta, you gotta keep that, that, um, my philosophy is keep that brotherhood alive as far as, you know, I've done so many free sessions for vets and and family members just because they needed it or they didn't have insurance at the time or whatever. Um, and I do a lot of, I do retreats with the water project and stuff like that. Uh, but it's just, it's just keeping people, keeping vets going because it's, it's so easy to fall between the cracks sometimes. And, um, and so one of the things about this podcast is that, uh, people who, who are hesitant about even getting into mental health treatment or hesitant about even talking about their experiences. Um, I've had several people say they listened to the podcast, they heard it, and then they decided to reach out to me because they felt that it, it was a good stepping stone to, to getting, getting whatever help they needed, um, at the time. And so with you, are you, um, you have any plans for growth? Are you hiring any veterans anytime soon or anything like that? Not in this business, but that's actually funny to say that I was actually looking to buy a small local business, um, in the area that does, um, I just kind of came across this opportunity. So I I wanted to get into it basically, but it's a, uh, kind of commercial bulk mailing type business or whatever. And it's just across the street from, uh, kids naval base. And so as soon as I decided that I'd like to buy this thing, um, the very first thing I, I asked the owner, I'm like, Hey, do you have any veterans working for you? Um, and he actually works pretty heavily in the business and so I'm not going to be able to do that to the same degree. Um, so I told him like, well, we'd have to hire someone then to kind of replace some of the functions you, you, uh, fulfill. And so what I told him was, is like, I, what I'd love to do is specifically go reach out to, um, the Naval base and find like a, uh, you know, NCO that's just coming out like perfect size, you know, level because it's a small crew that runs this shop and uh, go find NCO. And he actually found one. He found actually a um, Navy NCO coming out. I think it's an E6 or something like that, just coming out. And I'm like, perfect. That's exactly what I want. You know, someone just came out, it's got that leadership experience and it's, it's kind of mechanical related. It got these huge machines that, you know, process all this like book mail stuff. And so I'm like, someone has got a little mechanical and um, some leadership and you know, let's hire them and bring them in. So I'm, I'm in the process of looking for, it's not solidified yet, but basically going through some candidates, I told them I want to intentionally target uh, Navy veterans coming out um, because I know the value that they bring. Not because that's not just for me, like, you know, for appearances, that's for, cause I know the value they bring and I'm like, yeah, no, they're, I'm going to, I'm going to hire one. So yeah, we're in that process right now. So it's funny you say that my consulting is just me. Um, maybe someday it'll get bigger where I can do that. But yeah, for some of the other of the business stuff I'm involved in, yes, I am looking to hire. So if someone hears this and they just happen to live in Bremerton, Washington, yeah, they're welcome to reach out to me and talk to me about that role. It's just one for now, but it might, it'll probably be more eventually. So yeah, that's, that's my goal. The more opportunity I get, I'm always going to like kind of sort of specifically identify tar- or veterans first when I go to hire these kind of roles. So good, good, good. Yeah. Um, so for, for that, I mean, give a plug to your business, give a plug to your, um, cause we always do a, a little segment called uh, business shout outs where we, we like to plug veteran owned businesses. And, and of course, you know, I, I always talk about uh, my business freedom within LLC and it's on Facebook at, um, at freedom within therapy. And it's on Twitter at vet underscore therapist. And, uh, don't forget to follow the, uh, at North Shore Breeze on Facebook. And, and if you are an investor um, and you want to invest in the youth, uh, North Shore Braves is looking for sponsors. So if you want to take care of that, um, email me at nsbraves20 at gmail.com and you can reach out to me. Uh, Devin, I, I, wanna, I, I want you to give your plugs and, your, and, and, and all, any information that you want to give out about, um, about what you do again and um, how, people, how businesses can reach out to you um, in your area. And do you do any traveling? 
Like, would you come? Would you come to? Uh, would you come uh, to Louisiana or come to a, a Mississippi or something? There's a business yeah. that wants to reach out to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, the nice thing about now, I did before COVID, and then COVID shut a lot of that down, and so a lot of things have been coming back virtual. So yeah, no, I've done virtual type stuff with organizations who are all over the place. So um, yeah, that can be just as effective, you know, virtual type stuff or some strategy sessions or whatever. So happy to work with anyone anywhere if they know they want to work on their culture stuff. But um, yeah, so no, actually, so I'm the principal of CCG, and like I said, it could involve this new business that's in, like I said, bulk mail and commercial type stuff. Um, and actually I just totally like winged it since we're talking culture, that's like my primary thing and my consulting, um, but also have a, um, leadership course, uh, called the super manager Academy. And I've got that online too. People could find that through my website. Um, so I do all kinds of like different stuff like that, you know, culture assessments for organizations and things like that. So if that's anything in your wheelhouse, you need help with, if you're a veteran, just looking for some mentorship, feel free to reach out to me and get my contact information on my website, create consulting group, ccg.com. Uh, but one other thing, actually, if there are veterans up in this area and anywhere, because this is a remote work available type thing, also for things like my consulting business, I knew I needed to get into some digital marketing type space. And so I had the opportunity to actually start doing digital marketing as part of my business as well. And then just have some of these businesses of mine be the, um, some of the first customers essentially of my, of my digital marketing. So I am looking for people to help me actually promote and sell that digital marketing service too. So that could be another thing if someone wants to do it's super flexible and commission based and, you know, just a good, you know, thing to kind of start with or kind of do on the side type type role. So that's another thing if veterans are looking for just something to just get started on anything, you know, and just get involved in the business world. And that's another good type of thing to get involved in. It's really hot thing right now. You know what I mean? Especially now since everyone having to figure out the digital space because of COVID and people not being able to go everywhere, especially up here in Washington state. Oh my gosh, we got a lockdown. I'm sure not, not like Louisiana. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, no, it's a perfect thing. It's remote work and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I'm the principal of CCG. It involves digital marketing. My primary one is the consulting for organizations around organizational culture and leadership. And then, like I said, I'm getting into this, you know, commercial, commercial also marketing and, and mail thing as well. So that's all of those things. But the primary one with the, the primary business is uh, CCG. And so you can check it out on great consulting group, CCG.com. The digital marketing agency is called CCG marketing agency.com. So you can check that out too. But CCG is the, umbrella organization, LLC for all these different businesses. Yeah. So yeah, reach out if anyone else wants to talk That's about that stuff. Uh, branding, branding is going to be a whole different conversation, you know, how to brand your business and how to do all that. Um, because that's important. And hopefully you, uh, you made your business, uh, an S core so you can save some taxes. Um, I did that recently, uh, last year. So I saved a bunch of money in taxes by making my business an S core. So I'm happy to hear what you're doing, man. It's been a great, been a great, um, conversation with you. And and I hope the the audience is going to get some valuable information from this and, uh, keep up with their self care and, and, uh, well, Devin DeCurro just wants to say thank you very much for joining us and, and, and shining some light on the cultural issues in the workplace and taking care of veterans and their families. And, and we appreciate what you do down here. And you keep up the good work up there in Washington. You hear that? So, All right. Thanks, Carl. Devin, thanks again. Uh, follow us, Freedom Within, uh, www.freedomwithintherapy.com. And uh, reach out to us on the podcast and tell us who else you want to hear being interviewed. And shit, name somebody and we'll find them. If you want to meet an interview, Joe Rogan, I'll find them. So, uh, I don't know about <laughs> all that now. So thanks again, Devin. And um, we, uh, we really appreciate you being on. All right. Yeah, bye. Bye.